Hello and welcome to the Freedom Podcast with me, Josh, and we're here with G. How are we doing, everyone? G, you just come back from Ireland this last weekend. How was that? Yeah, from Dublin in the south. Absolutely uh, fantastic. Great, great city there. And we were over there for an ARC conference going uh, with our crew from Europe, our European UK pastors. So on a big gang of us, perhaps about 20 25 of us or so all went there and I think there was only about 250 people there. So we obviously represented 10% and uh, we had an amazing time connecting with people, different churches uh, in Europe. Uh, Really amazing. See what God is actually doing in Italy, Um, Florence, Italy, like great sort of things taking place and then Toulouse in south of france because sometimes wow. you hear these countries you know, there's all catholic nations that there's nothing really there there are like some young guys there families who are have planted church they are seeing people saved they are seeing people um baptized and the church is growing there and it was just seeing some of that was and Romania, uh, there was like a gang from Romania there. Again, like wow. young, young adults who are hungry for God for their nation. So it was really great when you see those things going on. I love it. That is awesome. And uh, as you would have heard, probably listened to the last couple of episodes of the podcast, we've been sharing vision about partnering with ARC, uh, which is the Association of Related Churches over in the US, and just looking at how we can continue to plant churches alongside some of uh, them relationally, even strategically. And so just connecting in locally to what was happening in Europe, I think was just great, wasn't it, for the team of pastors. And you guys went and had a great ball, didn't you? You're known as the praise crew and uh, and and getting excited in worship, bring, it, bring in the noise and the volume. Yeah, we want to maximize every chance we've got. So whether it's in our church or it's a gathering somewhere else on the We're other side of the world, the we want to bring what we have, support those guys on the on the stage. There were some amazing speakers from uh, Ireland, um, England, US and Canada. So it was like quite a selection wow. of different speakers uh, dishing out the gold um so yeah we were we were hungry made lots of new connections and friendships and i love that with with the church i think we're busy obviously in freedom all around the world doing what we're doing but when you get chance to go and cross pollinate with other you know other movements other churches uh you know arc itself and those relationships it's always rich because you get to see another side of things there's something to learn god opens up uh, connections and doors so it's yeah i'm looking forward to seeing what comes out from it and i know god that our pastors left there so encouraged come on um it, it was brilliant that's awesome um right so today g i wanted to get into this thought of what it takes to communicate and i know there's lots of people uh here that are listening to this podcast where they maybe communicate something in small group. Maybe they communicate something with their volunteers. Maybe there's a dream one day for them to be on stage and delivering something to a much wider group of people and preaching or teaching. And I thought it would be great to hear a little bit about your journey. It's great to share a little bit about what what it takes to to do that. So I, I know that 
from hearing you talk about this that when you first started, this was almost the worst part of being a pastor, wasn't it? So do you want to talk us a little bit about your journey with becoming a preacher? Yeah, well, I I went to uh, Bible college for three years, uh, studied theology. Basically, I was on a pastoral degree for three years. The idea is most pastors have to speak to people. Like, you know, you would presume that's <laughs> that's the thing. That You'd bit. have to get up in and lead some sort of group, preach or do something. I I went at the age of 18, uh, knowing God had called me, but my big issue was I couldn't speak in a group. I, I just would freeze up, couldn't. Um, I, I was just, I would get like a panic attack. I wouldn't be able to speak, even if you just asked me to pray. But I've, I'm following the call. So I follow the call regardless of the fact that I can even speak. So I managed to get accepted. I'm in the college. And a lot of the students there, their their sort of desire is to preach. So every chance they get, they're, they're going somewhere to preach. They're practicing preaching in the college because they want to train you. I, it, I almost got away with it. But for almost three years, I avoided ever speaking. <laughs> And uh, I think when our first year, we had something like 90 in our class the first year. Then there was about uh, 50. And in the last year, there was 20 because it's a three-year thing. So when I got to 20, they started finding out that I had, I'd slipped under the radar. You could it was my worst. It. it was my worst nightmare. So my very first preach was something called sermon crit, sermon criticism. And uh, you stand up in front of the class and lecturers – and you bring your sermon and then afterwards you sit down and then they basically crit- they critique the message you've just brought. So for me, this was like my worst nightmare. Just speaking is one thing, but then to be up there and be critiqued was was awful. So that happened to me once. Thankfully, I did leave and I went on from there, but I was not your natural candidate. They must have thought, what are you doing here? because I was not a natural speaker, couldn't really do it. And, you know, it, it was just, I was probably going to be the last person they would choose. Unbelievable. <laughs> so what did you do for that first sermon? Do you remember? Yeah, I spoke on a, uh, <laughs> I spoke on Genesis all about the snake and it was called, don't let the snake steal your garden. <laughs> that sounds like an awesome message. And and it was all around, you know, the subtlety of the snake and what you listen to and the whispers um, that you sometimes, who do you think is a friend that's not a friend uh, that is actually giving you the worst advice ever that will rob your life. So it was all about don't let snake steal your garden. But I thought to get the attention off me because I hated people looking at me, it, I, you know, if I could speak in a dark room, that would help. So to be at the front, I thought I'm going to get people's attention off me. So I took in a snake in a bag just a little so snake, I had a, like a little one in your hand or? he was he was about five foot snake <laughs> he, he actually he was a python reticulatus which is a reticulated python one of the longest biggest vicious snakes you can get in the python world goes up to 32 feet um this was a younger one that back then you could still buy. So I bought it from a, a pet shop and he used to live at our house and I used to catch rats and feed them to him. Anyway, Why? he. <laughs> Why did you buy a reticulated python? 
because when you see them uh, come out and like you know they unhinge their mouth and swallow this rat it's like it's like nature watch it's like david attenborough or it was going on in my lounge we used to have the our neighbors we looked after the house and they were like these millionaires and they had these posh school kids who were at boarding school and on sundays they want to come around to ours to watch the snake have feeding time i mean josh it's I can't believe it, this. Like so you didn't buy the snake just for the sermon. This is this was you no, know had the no, snake. He, he was Sid was a pet. <laughs> and uh until he froze to death one winter when his bulb heater went, which was a oh, bit of a shame. Oh no. Yeah. How big did he get to before he froze? He was about six foot. Oh my gosh. So well, anyway, I know we we'll make it we might be making some people just turn off this podcast now, because that is some people's worst <laughs> nightmare. So you took he you was, took this snake in a bag into yeah. your first ever sermon. This is Yeah, so I did the introduction, talked about don't let the snake steal the garden. And then I, you know, I was believing props, being creative. So I whipped him out. And then I walked up and down the uh, the aisle in the lecture room. And it, it basically, it did take the attention off me and onto the snake. Did. So, you know, my strategy worked. Yeah, and they didn't remember a word you said. They just remember the snake being in their face. Yeah, hissing at them, and they were a bit fearful, but it was, like, <laughs> fantastic. So you have this moment at Bible college where it's like, right, your first one's done. You finally, you've kind of broken that glass ceiling and, and done your first message. Then some years later, you take on, like, planting a church, and it's like, right, you've got to do this now every single week. Uh, like there wasn't a team with you to to help support or take the weight. What what was that like for you stepping into that? Because I think everyone sees you now, like you're an incredibly gifted speaker. You're funny. You're engaging. You're creative. You're anointed as a speaker. But I, I can't imagine you being anything else. But that is how the, it was very different you always tell tell me back in the day yeah it was so painful and <laughs> i do if there if there is anyone from those early days I and mean, there's probably like about six people that went through that you know i hope you found healing on the back of it because to have watched me you know when you watch someone that is so they're finding it so hard and they're stammering and they can't get the words out because my when so i'd get up and I'm talking about getting up in front of maybe eight people because when we started, we started with six people. Some of those went out because they had kids. So I'm talking about it. But still, I I was so overwhelmed to get up and think I've mm. got to now speak for half an hour and bring something that's going to like, you know, that I feel God wants to say. Uh, so my, I remember my, my mouth went so dry I couldn't like swallow. <laughs> I'd try and get words out. I would sweat even in the winter because I would just feel red and flushed because just trying to get my words out. I, but all the time, this was the funny thing. I would sit down and I would just feel, I'd want to go and hide in a cupboard because I'd feel so embarrassed. I'd feel like it's rubbish. This is all the things that I had to work through, uh, the way perhaps I thought about myself and believed about myself. And so I had the call and what was happening, the, the call was contending with my condition because my condition was that of I had a, I, I had a twisted view of 
who I was and my mm. identity. Wow. Uh, and yet the core was saying, no, that's not actually who you are. And so there was this collision that was going on. Uh, but the conviction in me knew the core kept pushing, saying, you can't give up on this. And so although I hated I I got it there the next week. I'm back up there again. And the next week, because as you said, there was no one for the first few years, there was no one to replace me. So I had to do it. And I was working. We just had uh, our second baby, Luke, who was 10 days old when we launched church. And, you know, I'm so we're this young family working, trying to do messages. So my Saturday was up in, it was actually in your little bedroom, Josh. Um, and I was up there with the little desk I'd put up. I'd be up there for hours. On average, I would normally write three different sermons oh every gosh. week. That is because so I'd get through painful. one, and this is handwritten. I'd handwrite everything out, and then maybe two thirds of the way through, I'd literally scrum, you know, scrumble them up, throw it in the bin, and start again. Yeah, right. So normally it was two, three times before I literally I would run out of time because I'd be sometimes late at night, and it's like it's Sunday in the morning. I can't write. It wasn't like I'm happy with that one. It was just I run out of time. <laughs> Wow. And that went on for the first few years. That that is crazy to think about. And I think as well that you you can say about that in a few moments, but this is going on for week after week, month after month, year after year of not really feeling confident, of feeling this great tension, of feeling this burden as I've got to do this because it's my calling. And I've got to answer this call that God's got for me, but also mm-hmm. not enjoying it at all. Like some people, even listening to this now, you might have had a dream. Oh, I'd love to speak. I'd love to get that opportunity. For you, gee, that was never a dream, was it? It was more of a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, it was a nightmare. And it it is weird because, you know, we – if you listen to a lot of leadership training input or people speaking into this, they'll talk about, find your strengths. Don't worry, you know, don't concentrate on your weakness, find your strengths and focus on that. And what's your passion? Yeah. First, it wasn't my passion. Second, it wasn't my strength. And yet God was calling me for it. And it's quite a weird one because there, you know, some of us would just dismiss ourselves and say, because it's, a, I got a fear of it, or I struggle to say public speak, it can't be for me. And I, I think, you know, that it's not for everyone, mm. but it's not as simple as that because I could have easily just put, you know, people told me it wasn't for me. People actually said, you know, you're not going to make it. When I was at college at the end, they said the best thing for you is to really go back into secular work and get a wow. job. And they said, you basically don't cut the, there isn't a future for you in ministry. How wrong were and they? So, Golly. And I understand looking at me at that point, they obviously thought you can't even speak. You've avoided it. Uh, so I had to work through those years of, and I think it was more God dealing with my uh, character, my identity, my confidence. And he was through it, was beginning to challenge it. And if I hadn't have challenged it, I think, maybe I'd still be living with it today because Mm. this thing was, it was like I was fighting it every week, this view of who I was, my, you know, lack of self-worth and all these things. It was a very real thing. 
and all the you know all the voices in my head that would just criticize myself and say what are you doing you, you know you're so stupid what are, you know no one's going to listen to what you have to say you and yet all the time inside my heart i knew what i want to say but i couldn't express it through my mouth and i'm sure some people feel that way you know when when you want to communicate weird mm. thing is josh when i was a young young lad i th- i think i was probably I'm not sure if I was five or six years old before I really spoke. So I, and I ended up going to uh, the hospital for elocution lessons because they thought there was a problem with me. And it took, I was a very late speaker. Uh, and even as I was up to 10 years old, I wouldn't actually speak much to people. I would, I'm happy in nature. I'm happy outside. Um, but I'm happy like doing adventure things. But talking isn't a big thing that I want to do. And uh, the way I know I hit a couple of problems as I was growing up and the way I would be told to communicate was through writing. So I used to write, but not speak. <laughs> wow. So, it, you, you know, you almost see some of those perhaps yeah, issues. It's, it's quite amazing. Through. And I think even as you're, as you're hearing this, and maybe this applies to speaking, maybe it applies to something else, but just because you have struggled with something or just because someone said that you can't do something, it doesn't mean it's the truth. And what God has placed within you, often we cannot as man see, but there's something that is wanting to burst out of you. And actually when there is opposition or there is weakness there, or there is a disposition where it's a disadvantage, it actually gives God even more glory. And I think that's when we're, a lot of us will know you as a great speaker that has encouraged and spoken into their lives. It's probably really hard to put these two pieces together because we only know you as who you are now compared to where you came from. So yeah. what for you, G, was there a moment through the years that you really found your voice where it's like, okay, this is who I am. I've, I'm now not scrunching up three messages. Maybe I'm only scrunching up two. Like what, what, when was the moment where you thought, okay, I can do this. God, God does speak through me. I can't remember a specific moment. Mm. I think it was very gradual because it was over such a long period of time. And I think probably bit by bit, I was discovering, um, you know, who I was and, and, and almost that, where I'd been and what I believed about myself, I think through, you know, even studying scripture because the Mm, thing I had to do this every week. So I was studying scripture and I do believe that if you were doing it and my, I I was fully committed to this. uh, So I, I am perhaps doing so many messages over these first few years and I'm in scripture and the more I'm in it, God is Mm, speaking to me through it. And I, I'm passionate about it and I've shared perhaps a lot, through freedom, you know, around the Gideon story. And I think the Gideon story, when I remember preaching about it, Gideon and the fact that he had his self-esteem was like zero and the way he talks about himself, I'm the least, the least and whatever. And then he captures what God, how God sees him, not what he, how he sees himself, but how God sees him. Mm. And this, this probably was a profound moment for me because I, I think it was really around the way I saw myself. So all the time I was, 
I saw myself as inferior and the lowest of the low. And then suddenly I, I was challenged by the fact that, yeah, but in God's word, he says this about me. And Gideon's my example. He's here. He's even fearful. You know, he goes out at nighttime and does what he does at nighttime. And he, he sort of, you know, but he's courageous. So we, although he's fearful, he's mm. courageous. And God yeah. said, I've made you the same as Gideon. There's a call on your life to go and see people saved. And you've got a choice. You're either going to live your life believing what you think about yourself, or you're going to start living your life believing what I think about you. And the whole point as well was that he was called a mighty warrior while he was hiding in the wine press, not once he'd gone and was victorious. He didn't do a thing. Very similar to the way that Jesus, when he was baptized, and it says about this voice, you know, for God the Father speaks and he says, behold, my beloved son, who I'm well pleased, before he did any ministry. Mm. And it's a similar type thing is that on Gideon, he didn't have to do anything, but he's called a mighty warrior because God's calling the potential and saying, no, this is who you are. And I think this dawned on me and I suddenly thought, I feel this way. It's not like the feelings had gone. Gideon still had the feelings, but he said, I'm choosing to live my life and accept what God says about me. Come and on. that's where I'm switching from unbelief into faith. So I'm going to live my life through faith. And every time I get these uh, critical uh, anxiety moments, I'm going to focus on what God says and who he calls me as his son. And that there is a call that I can do. It's not actually my strength, but it's his strength in me. And I think that was the turning point that started causing me. And it didn't suddenly get easier. Then I just had this revelation of who I was in him. So good. And it's and it was almost, it was that renewing of the mind in Romans yeah. 12, wasn't it? It was not just yes. one day, I just spoke this message and it all came together. It was years and years of renewing of the mind. And I think that, you, that even the example you use there in Gideon, where he is speaking over himself, I'm the the weakest, uh, I'm the least in my clan, you know, that he starts saying these things over himself. And I think you were also contending with words that you had spoken, that others had spoken over you, that were coming as a barrage, weren't they? And I think that we've got to be so careful of the things that we are speaking and owning over ourselves. And we reject what uh, what God says and we start saying, no, I think I, in some way I know better about who I am and what I'm capable of. And we've almost got to start yeah. having to say, no, I do lay that down and trust you, God, with what you're saying about who I am rather than that I think I know better than you about who I am. Yeah. And I I also got had a bit of a shakeup where God said the insecurity, because that's what I was, I was insecure. Your insecurity that causes you to make comparisons with others all the rest, it's all in Gideon. I'm, you know, I'm the lowest. So he's comparing. And that insecurity will rob your destiny. You can either keep um, sitting in self-pity. And it was almost like a rebuke. It was, no, I'm not going to stroke you and try and say, come on, you are great. It was actually, you want to give in to self-pity. It will rob your life. And, it, and you're going to have to deal with insecurity. So start confessing, even if it's just to yourself, who I say you are. And it was, I had to stop. I was rebuked because every time I confessed it, I was undoing what God 
you know, if I entertained those thoughts, I was undoing what God had already said to me. And it it was like I was resisting that. Yeah. And God said, you will sit in insecurity and bad things happen when you, you almost like absorb the self-pity where, you know, it's like, oh, it must be really hard. It's like, no, people, it doesn't do anyone any good when you start doing that. God didn't say that. He said, come on, rise up right now in your strength, he said to Gideon. Because he said, oh, I'm this and I'm that on the back of this great mighty warrior. It's like, who, me? And, he's, and then they the angel ignores him and says, get up right now and go with whatever you have. Don't wait until you're the finished article. There's something in you. Get up and go for it. And, gee, you have been doing this since uh, 1988. You've been preaching. And, man, that is a lot of messages. I mean, you when you first started, weren't you doing midweeks as well? Were you doing like Wednesday night messages as well? I did as Bible Sunday? studies in the week. Yeah. What was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> Before this great small group ideas came together, is that right? Yeah, I'm just going to talk about what we, talk past about we had to be everything. Oh yeah. my gosh! Um, and so you've done men's meetings, you've done conference ser- sermons, you have like preached so many times and i think it's, it's in the thousands i that's what i was going to say i think it must be a couple of thousand times at least that you've spoken just did yeah. a little calculation and i think having done that thousands of times gone back to that blank page i mean that blank page sat in front of you i mean i've experienced yeah. that in a minuscule way i think i probably haven't preached a hundred times i don't think so uh to to do what you've done for so long and sitting in front of that blank page and saying okay we had a great time sunday people got impacted and i'm back here now a few days later and we've we, we've got to start again what what keeps you going how do you do it uh for me it's so much probably about my conversation with god you know, it's it's not maybe looking at what is the latest, I don't know, trend or teaching thing or what's going around, you know, especially with the access we have to the world. Yeah. <laughs> you know, church sermons and that. I don't I've never looked at any of that. I've always tried to really tap in to God, what are you saying right now? So I think it's been a very close walk with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh so continually. I, I feel like I never switch off in that way and not, not in a terrible way, but I am constantly asking, praying, God, mm. what are you saying? What are you saying to our church? What are you saying to me? Um, because they often overlap. What God is saying to me is what you want to say to the church, et cetera. And, and I think it's being from the minute I, I wake up, I suppose I'm sort of, you know, I pray. Uh, and if I'm in God's word, I'm, I'm just thinking, is this, something for me or is it or is this or do you want to speak through this so i'm i'm almost like sensitive to all those things and just asking the holy spirit to speak and then uh, and quite randomly it's not when i'm pressing into god because as you know you get your blank page and you're sat there and sometimes it's like i haven't got anything like that is a common thing but as you continue to press in and as you continue to almost like just ask 
it's amazing how God just gives you a, for me, he'll give me a seed thought. It might just be, what about this? You know, what about the way um, I want to show people that when they uh, take authority over their thought life, you know, that I want to renew their minds through the way they start thinking the way I want them to think. And and then then I might just start going on a bit of a Bible study about that. And I might start just then, I won't normally allow just I'm sitting down, I have to create a message. It often that seed might have come three weeks before. Right. So I'm so already I've got lots of little things in my head that might be, when is this for, Lord? And I wait then to see wow. when it's for. So I've got, you know, something that is uh milling around perhaps in my heart now for January for a series that we're gonna do. I'm not sure if it is the the thing, but I'm I'm almost like incubating yeah. it. Yeah. Saying, God, is 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 that something you're saying to me or is it something you want to say to the church? And so they're just thoughts. So I tend to incubate quite a while before. It's not that often I will just suddenly sit down in one session and suddenly it drops out from nowhere. And I'm I'm almost continually holding these things. Sometimes they're I, I've held messages for six months before God said, now's the time. Wow. And then, and then other times I'm getting very close to that Sunday and I don't get it till the Friday or Saturday. And it's like, that was a close one. So it, it, it varies. And I think there is a walk of trust there, but that's what I want to be in. And you mentioned this earlier. I've always promised myself that I'd never just produce a message that God had. I don't believe that God had given me that almost, this is my rescue message. This is, mm. I'm going to re-preach this because I think, you know, I don't have to work hard. I always want to be, even wow. if it's a minute to midnight, I want to almost make sure I don't want to get up there and preach for the sake of preaching. So if I haven't got anything, and I've always thought this, if I get to a Sunday morning and I haven't got anything, am I going to get up there and say, guys, I haven't got anything for you today? <laughs> you know, because I, God said, would you do that? Because if I'm the one giving it you, and I just test you in it. Will you actually admit that rather than you feel you do it in your own strength? Mm, and so wow. I have this conversation with God saying, awesome. God, help me every time. I don't want to rely on my, uh, just my past experience or knowledge, or let's pull out this sermon. I contend for every message that I bring. Even if I re-preach something from say five years ago, I won't, you know, you think, oh yeah, I've heard, you know, you do something like this before. Probably I I hardly ever would I ever just re-preach that. I will always go back and rewrite it and say, wow. how is this relevant for now? I'll change some things. The essence might be the same, but I have this um That's incredible. I'm sort of really uh, against just getting something out and doing a I think I've seen some people do that where they have a conference message. Because I, I got invited to a perhaps a, some conference, which is not my um, idea of fun. It's going conference speaking and you're going to speak to all these leaders or you speak to all these people. And I've seen people just deliver the same message three times and it's word for word. It literally is. This is what I do. And I'm in a conference mode. That would kill me. I, I, cause for me, I, I think the creative element of me is I can't just do a repeat message without coming back to it and say, God, what if there's more that you want to say about this? There's a different way you want to say something about this. You know, so I've just did the open hand series and did some teaching around tithing and stuff. 
and I brought some new stuff that I haven't brought before because some of the old stuff is great. It's still like biblical, great truths. Um, it, it, you know, people would think that's, that's really healthy, but I think there's always this challenge to say, come on, you need to grow yourself. Don't sit back, grow yourself. There's more to learn, go deeper, be fresh, be creative. Yeah. I was talking to someone on Sunday actually, and they were saying that they had grown up in church. They'd had messages about tithing and they said they had never heard the way that you delivered it. It was fresh and it was, and it spoke to them in such a unique way coming from that different perspective so i love the way that you bring that g that you always put it almost back on the table and say come on what god do you want to say about it this time rather than just kind of like throwing the same recipe together it's like right what bit of spice can we add in there this time what creativity can we bring to it i think one of the things that you're really good at doing as well is is bringing is making something memorable you know how can you leave it in people's minds and hearts you know with a visual example or uh you know a bit of creativity something where you can you know you can use a prop i think you're so good at that uh you know and bringing those examples to life with something practical physical that you bring into the room that's so good again with the props josh sometimes i feel absolutely daft (laughs) doing it you know you you suddenly think i don't know i'm going to bring a plow on stage and set it on fire um (laughs) if you missed that that was the burn the plow series go and watch it yeah awesome Uh, or you um and it it is funny because i had a message yesterday from someone asking if they who are pastors of another church in wales who they were in the room when i did that and I didn't know, but they'd come to visit. They had a weekend off and that impacted their lives when I did that. And they mentioned the burn the plow bit and it turned the way they were building church. And so I had this message saying wow. things have just blown up since then. And they said, could they use the clip from burn the plow when I actually burned the plow? Because I think they now want to come and share some of that to the church. And it it's fascinating because at the time I just thought, oh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, I've got someone looking for a, an old farm plow and they're running around Herefordshire trying to look for it. Then I've got one of the lads builders with a van going to pick it up. Then they're carrying it up to the cinema on the top there. Then we're practicing with pyrotechnics. When I light the match, it sort of blows up an ex-fireman, you, you know, you, sorry, he's a current fireman. And, uh, and you're there thinking, is this worth it <laughs> just for one <laughs> You know, it's, it's like One a lot moment. of work. Yeah. And yet when I hear the story yesterday yeah. of how not just someone, but someone that's who really is leading good. and the church and God ministers, and that's all part of it. I think that's, Come you know, you asked about what keeps me going. It'll be those stories. Love it. And I'm sure going back in those early days, I mean, we had one salvation in seven years, but. Um, <laughs> when you first <laughs> when got started, started yeah. Yeah, but we did have baptisms. We had life change. We had healing. We had breakthrough. We saw God move. And I think as I was speaking into that, you know, that's what it's the story of the person, just like the burn the plow, uh, that says, do you know what? There's don't sit back. Don't sort of just get up and do another message. I, yeah. I suppose I promised myself when I was 21 years old, I'd, I did listen to some very boring preachers growing up. <laughs> and I think that, that was part of my, it was like, who put this person up there? It yeah, was so right. boring, didn't know what they were going on about. And I just, but I was also very aware that I could become that person 
because, you know, yeah. I'm going into the ministry, so to speak. And I thought there's nothing worse that I can think of is than speaking and people sat there, a bunch of younger generation or whatever, going, what is this guy going on about? Yeah. And like, we can't wait till it's over. It's like, God, will you sack me before I ever get to that place? And, uh, and that was like a little pledge I made is I always want to do my best to work hard at being relevant, work hard at the skill of communication, work hard at being creative and always trust in God with your communication. Don't become clever. There's some very, you can easily be clever if you're a natural communicator that can actually become your, um, I get Achilles heel. If you are a natural confidence speaker, it's great, but you will slip into your own confidence. Wow. Because I didn't have that confidence. Even now, every time I get up, I've got this huge reliance that is ingrained in me. I cannot do this without God. And I'm thankful for that. Amen. Yeah, you're very passionate about relevance. And that's see one of our core uh, teachings and principles of our church were relevant to our time. And that comes from this idea that we're not just going to get there and fill people with information or knowledge about doing, you know, a study on Leviticus or the judges is that we want to do something that's going to help you on Monday. We want this to yes, be relevant definitely. to your life, whether you're a teenager, whether you've been, a, whether you're not a Christian, you've not, never been to church before, or whether you've been there for decades. We want this to apply to your life, and that's what you've trained our team to do. That's what we try to model. That's what we try to replicate. Whatever we're doing, so yep, good, absolutely, yeah. So. I think that even as you start off with that blank page, I know that there'll be some people thinking about, you know, how do I get started and and what how do I communicate? Because I've just I really struggle to know what to say. I think for me, one of the things I would always recommend if I if I'm there thinking, I'm gonna do a message on patience. I find that I am writing something that is just seems like drivel. It just seems weak. I don't really know what to say. But when I start reading scripture and then I um, I think about what does God want to say through this scripture, it almost it starts electrifying. And it's like all of a sudden the pieces start coming together. And I'd say that for me, that's the great foundation for every word that I've done is starting off with scripture, just reading scripture and allowing God to speak through that. And sometimes, like you said, gee, it's not for right then. It might be right. There's something in this for another time and just making a note of that somewhere and coming back to it. But anything else before we close, G, uh, any other thoughts on this before yeah. we close? May, maybe thinking about some people who might be leading some small groups or just stepping out in uh, preaching a little bit more, those types of things. These are just some of the basic things I would teach some of our guys who are stepping out. I think the, f the first thing is you've got to be yourself. It's really good. You know, there's no one like you. You've got to be yourself. There's nothing worse than when you see people who are trying to be in someone else's skin. They've seen the way they do it and they're trying to be funny, but they're not really funny. Um, or they're trying to be intellectual and use big words, but it's not really them. It's like, just be yourself. Yeah. And, and it takes a while to find that because that's, you know, it's like you've got to get comfortable in your own skin. And it took me a long time, but it's like, I'm just myself. I'm not someone because it's terrible when you uh, get to hear someone preach. And I've done this maybe in the bigger conference settings 
and then you get to speak to them in the coffee room after. And they're two different people. Sad. <laughs> they're like, it's, it's just different. So they have a stage, you know, uh, style mm. and persona. And then when they're natural, it's different because they've, they switched that on and that's part of their communication or professionalism. But I would just say, you need to be the person God's called you to be. And when people meet you, are you still the same person? Because mm. if you're preaching, what happens is the danger is if not, you try to um, portray something that you're not by pretending you're something you're not. And God will soon find you out because you're not really that person at home or your wife will be saying, yeah, it's great. You get up there and speak about that, but you're not actually living it, mm. you know our wives will call us out. Ooh. And so what I'm just saying is be, you know, be genuine. I think be gen genuine, like authentic with what you bring. Um, you need to uh, really be, find a way of being yourself. I think humor, I'd always just say, find your own humor in that, but it does really help is just to don't be so intense that it's, it's almost like people uh, feel, you know, that they can't relax. Like you need to bring people on, on the journey. And I think someone said this recently, but Jesus spent most of his time speaking parables. He was a great storyteller. And so being the greatest storyteller, he knew what it was to tell stories that were relevant of the day with a yep. powerful truth. And we underestimate this. And if you're starting out or you're struggling You've got to actually think about stories really that have happened good. in your life. We all have stories. Think about stories that have happened in your life. And, uh, you know, it might be with the kids. It might be dating. It might be, I don't know, current things. or, a world. or it, it can be something funny, but it has a powerful truth. And so what I've learned over the years, and I think there is a skill in this, is that you take events that happen. So we have loads of holiday um like adventures where things go wrong. And often <laughs> I am there just thinking, God, I hope there's, there's a message in this. So I'm actually thinking all the time when things happen, life is just interesting. So you've got to look at it and say, is that a story that I could tie into this truth? I'm going to share um, in Romans to bring it to life about identity. Cause I got the wrong identity with someone once and thought someone was someone they weren't. So when it's talking about, I could actually use this. And what you're doing is you're marrying the world that you're in now and who you are into God's truth, which suddenly people start thinking, yeah, I can relate to that. So the art of telling stories, that's a practice. Become a good storyteller. That is brilliant Maybe you advice. need to get on, get on kids' work and do like storytelling and become the best storyteller for them. Have <laughs> yeah. you practice for preaching? But do you know what I mean? Those, those things of creating uh, color within those stories. You've heard it when someone tells a story one way and it's like, yeah, it's okay. Someone tells a story, the same story, but they're a storyteller and people are engaged. It's like, I know it's crying, it's they're yeah. leaning in, but it's the same story because one has learned the mm. skill of doing it. The other one just sees the surface outline of it. Look into the depth. Ask God what he's saying around some of the things that happen in your life. And you will that will help you communicate. 
And then, you know, there's obviously so much more study in scripture, all those things, but there are books and training on how you do that, how you take out scripture, how you develop it. Yes, there's there's lots more we could say on this, but uh, we will leave it there for today. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. I hope that whatever you do in within the church or within your life, that this has been helpful and encouraging to you, whether it's dealing with insecurity, yeah. whether it's becoming a better storyteller or even learning to communicate for yourself. But we will be back yeah. next week with another episode. I'll be back with Dave because Pastor G is off uh, for a few weeks with H. They're going to South Africa, so they're going to be spending yep. some time over there. But we'll be back yep. um, probably sometime later this year, I imagine, G together yep fantastic thank you so much take care everyone bye